Well, you only live once, maybe not And this life right now might be all we've got So let's contemplate the hereafter While we speculate with some laughter About this grim thing that happens to us all After that final curtain call But before you take that final breath Let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and you're going to die one day. Think about that. I mean, I know that's what this podcast is about. I know that's the thing that we discuss, you know, what happens when we're gone, where do we go, do we come back, etc., etc. But have you really thought about that? You know, even myself, I sit there and I forget that, yeah, one day I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be on this plane of existence, wherever this is, whatever reality this is. I'm not going to be doing what I do in the 21st century forever. Now, I might come back in the 25th century. You know, maybe I'll come back as some kind of, I don't know, rock star or something. But And maybe I come back right away. Or maybe I don't come back. But it's still, it's one of those things that this is going to happen to you. And that's what this podcast is about. It's to help people not cope with it. It's not my. It's not in my power to help people cope. But if I can give somebody just that little bit of something, you know, that's what the podcast is about. I'm not a. I'm not a professional with this. I'm not somebody who claims to have all the answers because honestly, I don't think there really are answers until we're gone. But my thought process is: is I kind of look at this like. I'm not necessarily giving you a lifeboat, but I'm giving you a maybe one of those water wings. One. Just one water wing. Enough to keep you above water. Sure, you're going to be gasping for air because that one water wing is going to have you all lopsided, but it's at least some support. If this podcast can do nothing more than just give you some support, some comfort in what's happening, some comfort in that question of where do we go? You know, and I got to thinking about that because I got a text message uh, from my one of my siblings yesterday. And it turns out, I mean, my mom has been, not to be just, you know, crass about it, but she's been circling the drain for a while. And honestly, I had a great moment with her when she was still pretty coherent. And uh, this was March of 2019 or so. Uh, we'd just gotten done filming on uh, one of the movies and was in Saginaw. And she's she's unfortunately having to stay in a nursing home and uh, went to go visit her. And she was coherent. Because most of the time she's not. She thinks it's a 1960s. She thinks sometimes she's, you know, on a cruise, um, on vacation. She thinks she's at work sometimes, which I guess is good because those are all things that make her happy. She enjoyed going to work. She enjoyed, she worked in the nursery, so she loved her job. And when I was real little, we used to volunteer at nursing homes. And I I told one of the nurses at the uh, nursing home that she works at, and she's like, oh, that makes sense. So I think she sometimes thinks that she's working at the nursing home. You know, because there's a bunch of old people in wheelchairs. So that makes sense. But uh, she's at the point now where I got the text message and uh, yeah, and she's in hospice and she's in that uh, that like care, that final care kind of thing. So I know it's coming soon. And not to sound bad, but I'm, I'm happy for her because she's miserable. She's lethargic. She, you know, she's confused. She doesn't know what's going on. I would like to have her, you know, just get back to who she was. And I think we all do that. We all get back to our best selves when we're gone. And that best self might be a combination of all of ourselves if we've come back, you know? Or it could be you at your highest point in your life. Or it could be you at your highest emotional state in your life. You know, you might be 80 years old when, when you're at your highest emotional state, but you are happiest, you know? It's, it's, it's just it's one of those things that, again, we don't know what happens. But for her... I do hope it happens soon, you know, because when I had that nice coherent moment with her a year and a half ago or so, I got emotional with her because something in my gut told me that's going to be the last time I'm going to see her alive. And she told me, she was like, you know what happens to us all? And that was really pretty powerful. That actually helped contribute to me doing this podcast is because, yeah, it does happen to us all. She knew it when she was still alert enough to understand what was going on, you know, because there were times where she didn't she didn't realize she was in her 80s. 
She still thought she was in her 60s. You know, and again, like I said earlier, she thought it was still the 1960s. She was going to go visit her parents who have been gone since, you know, the 80s. So um, it's just, uh, it's a harrowing thing to think about. But it's not a scary thing. It shouldn't be. I don't think it's a scary thing. I think it's something that's going to be the final chapter. If you use the uh, Dan Harmon story circle, this is the final chapter. This is at last spoke in the wheel is death. And then you start, you know, you move on to whatever's next. My guest today is Harry Sherwood. And Harry is a holistic life coach. Harry and I had a great talk. He, uh, he basically, he helps people with just trying to, you know, trying to, trying to center themselves and get themselves into a path that they're looking for. And, um, you know, he travels the world. He's brought a lot of, he's, you know, he tries to bring some of that uh, Eastern indigenous type of uh, uh, culture to the Western world. And he enjoys what he does. And we get into that right off the bat. You know, I talk about how working a nine to five isn't for, isn't for me anymore. You know, I got to do it right now because I got to pay the bills, but I'm very happy. It's not an envy. It's a happiness for people who have found their true calling, their true love for what they want to do. And I do believe that it's a matter of helping others. If we can help others, that's the key to happiness. Because if you can help others doing what you enjoy, I think that right there is the answer to everything. So this is my conversation with Harry Sherwood. And uh, enjoy. Tell me a little bit about yourself, um, you know, what your background is, because I know I've read some of the things that you do, which doesn't sound like a necessary, like, day job, so to speak, um, <laughs> which is what I'm, that's what's interesting, you know, I, day jobs are all fine and dandy, but, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in the um, the realm of people live people's lives outside of what their quote unquote career is, you know, unless of course their career happens to intermingle with something such as what I've read on your, uh, on your background. So anyway, you know what, let's just, let's just start from there. So, so, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I am a holistic life coach and my partner, Melanie McDaniel and I help people guide, we help guide them into finding themselves, finding, you know, a really healthy, stable life that works for them, that they're passionate about, and to just dive deeper into who they are. Excellent. Uh, and, and we utilize things like nutrition, meditation, emotion release, life coaching, uh, and not everyone is going to utilize the same, not everyone's going to walk the same path. And so, we were very open to what what canvas and what paint each person's going to use. So, very individual process, but a, a, a fun fun to see where where people take the process. Nice, nice. I like that the the word individual in the sense of uh, like a custom program. And uh, so, it's, so this is this is your what you do, which is that's excellent. That you know, and and I guess it's uh, when I was talking about nine to five, I'm talking about. You know, a lot of times people, they have, myself, I have a nine to five and I do a podcast. This sounds like this is what you do. That's, that's exciting because that gives me hope because that's, I want to break out of the nine to five world. <laughs> you know, so, um, and, and I love the fact that you're doing it catered to each person, you know, because a lot of times people will do, you know, a course and, yeah, there's questions and, and things like that available, but a lot of times it's it's there's a course, this is what you do, follow these rules and you know, go with that. But everybody's doing it a little bit different and you guys are able to adjust to that. So that's 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 actually very encouraging. Um uh, what 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 got you into that? Um it's, it's lots of things. <laughs> I initially kind of went on my own quest to find myself, to find uh, why I felt so suffocated by life and just kind of went off on my own journey uh, when I was 19. And that led me to China and I studied Tai Chi and Qigong with Shaolin monks. And nice. then it led me to live in an ashram in California with yogis and monks for 
uh, an extended period and meditated hours a day in contemplation and service. And it was really uh, that that year that all of that happened was this dive off into a different way of living, and I loved it. And it changed my life. It was a huge pivot. I wound up, um, at that point, I had done a couple years in college. I wound up transferring went to the University of Michigan, got a religious studies degree, studied a lot of psychology when I was there. And, okay. Um, you know, just kept going down a path of spiritual uh, unfoldment, spiritual path, uh, as well as trying to bring in from the Western perspective and approach of psychology and just, once again, different aspects of getting to know ourselves and what, what, what even the ability to ask that question is truly phenomenal. Um, ability that not all forms of life have. And so That's, just followed yeah. that, wound up going back to the ashram again for another five months, a little bit later. Um, not long after that, I met my partner, Melanie, and we learned from each other, had both kind of walked different paths in the personal development, spiritual development arena. Uh, and I just, I'm an explorer. I'm an explorer by nature, so, you know, I've gotten to um, a mastermind group for a few years that was all about coaching and life coaching, um, you know, experienced different cultures, been to Ghana, Indonesia, China. Wow. Um, spent time, went to, I've partaken in a lot of different ceremonies, whether it be indigenous medicines or uh, sun ceremonies uh, in, in the Dakotas with uh, Sundance and stuff like that, and or ten day silent retreats for vipassanas, and so it's really kind of yeah, it's, a, it's become a deep passion of mine to explore, explore consciousness, explore the human, what being human is, and then of course over time, uh, I started helping other people via what I learned through meditation and all those things, which eventually led for led to us starting our own business and doing it full time. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's, I think what, um, what's exciting about that is that you, you learned at a young age, you know, that uh, you didn't want to hop on that hamster wheel that the rest of us do, you know, and you, you, you took a chance and you went for it and you discovered it early. A lot of people don't discover, what they truly love until later. I mean, a lot, in fact, a lot of people never really find what they, what they want to do as a passion in general. You know, they, they, they go and they get a degree and that's what their parents told them to do. And then they go get the job and the car and the house and they, you know, and then it's the, it's the whole working the job so you can pay for the car so you can go to the job and all that kind of stuff, you know? And I knew, I knew when I was young that I didn't want to do the nine to five, my, my big issue has always been, I don't know how to break out of that cycle. And, you know, it's, it's, it's that whole, um, you know, the fact of, okay, well, I, you know, I don't like working for somebody else. I want to do my thing. I want to be creative. I want to be able to have the input on it and feel like I'm making a difference, you know, rather than just yeah. doing something where I'm just going into work every day and just kind of, you know, punching the clock and, and then coming home and living for the weekend, you know, there are certain songs that, that always come to mind, you know, um, pop songs that come to mind that talk about that. And it's like whenever I hop on the bus, I hear, you know, the guess who's bus rider and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's just like, ugh, you know, and and I know I know that most of society is there. Most of society is at yeah. that point where they're not really happy. And, and there are people who genuinely enjoy, they look forward to Mondays, they get up, they go to work, they love what they do. And that is awesome. I am genuinely happy for them, but I don't dread my job, but I sure as hell don't look forward to it, you know? Mm. And that's the whole thing is, is, is I wish more people were able to do the thing that they look forward to. And that's, it sounds like that's what you yeah. help people find. You help people discover that it, not just in a career wise, but in life in general. And taking taking Eastern philosophies and, and, and indigenous philosophies and things like that and being able to introduce it into a Western westernized world is is pretty awesome because I mean let's be honest, most people in, in the Western, you know, civilization, they don't they don't think about anything outside of what they know. And I don't. I don't on a regular basis. I don't consciously think about that. So the fact that you're able to you know, bring that to people so that they can meld that into their Western lives is, is pretty wild. That's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, and you know everything you just mentioned too. They're all new. All of these things, like okay, starting to think about what I want to do that isn't um, what the vast majority of my counterparts and my peers are doing. You know, that's that's somewhat of a newer concept, um, especially you know in the U.S. In, oh, yeah. in the last however many decades. Like it, it's we're 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 in new territory here. Yeah. And in the information age where we have access not only to the information of a lot of ancient wisdom teachings, but now we, you know, we also have the ability to travel and live with or talk to and sit with some of these indigenous elders and leaders. Um, We're in a new world. We're in a new way. And usually when we're in something that's newer and we're in a, we're in an infancy stage, so to say here, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of learning to, we have to learn to stand before we walk, before we run type of thing. And so we're learning how to, Hey, I don't fully feel happy within this way of life, but this is the general structure and way of things. So there is going to be, you know, it's one person after the other, after the other, that when we start to disrupt a certain pattern, well, what is it going to look like? And it's not necessarily going to be easy. Oh, of course. So there's going to be times where, you know, we we stumble and fall. There's times where we do the wrong thing, but it leads us to the the right, our our own right answer. Um, So a lot of it's exploratory. A lot of it's, okay, let's find out what, you know, how can we work within the system, so to say, um, to still be able to pay the bills, but then to step outside of it, expand, explore, uh, and walk away far more, like you were saying, happy, mm-hmm. connected, feeling purposeful, and, and finding meaning in my day-to-day life. Uh, and that, of course, looks different for every single person. So it, it is, it's totally. an exploratory process. Yeah, because it's, it, it's just like people in general aren't cookie-cutter. You know, I mean, yeah, from a from a 30,000 foot view there, you know, people for the most part all are the same kind of thing. They all have to have a job. They all have to have uh, food and clothing, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes down to the individual level, nobody's the same thing. Nobody is the same as anybody else. You know, there there are moments through life where they might act the same, you know, whether it's through an employer. I mean, you've got I've worked on an assembly line for a little while. And yeah, we all did the same job. We all did the same thing and all that. But we still had our individuality. And right. the so everybody's going to treat, you know, the, the reactions to this differently. Everybody's going to have reactions to life differently. I mean, it, it's it comes down to I was talking with somebody before experiences are going to be experienced different. You know, let's say you're taking a, a road trip and two people are in the car and the one person sees the amazing thing out the right side of the window and the other person doesn't. And that right, that thing that they see outside the, you know, the right side of the window is life changing to them, but the driver didn't see it, you know, and that probably good because they're driving, (laughs) but you know, um, it's going to be a different trip. You know, the person on the right saw a, a triple rainbow or something crazy and they're like, holy cow, you know, something that simple, but it's a different trip for people. Or, you know, they go on a, on a, uh, 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 a hike and one of them breaks their leg and the other one, you know, has an epiphany. It's a different trip. It's the same, it's the same physical journey, but they both have different experiences. So, you know, and I can see that what you're teaching, you know, would be different for every single person simply on those basic, you know, uh, changes that happen for people and their, then their personal experiences that they bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think even within what you're saying is even if they were to both see the triple rainbow, everyone's programming is different. We all wear different, the way I typically talk and teach it is we all wear a different lens. So if we kind of visualize just having glasses on, it might, it's just necessarily probably going to impact me differently. Like I might be someone who's very connected to nature. I love being with my shoes off next to trees in the park. So when I see a rainbow, it's something pretty, pretty magnificent to mm-hmm. me. So a triple rainbow is going to be a, a wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Where, even know if they exist, but I've never seen one, but yeah, I would, that right, something to right. look for, you know, but yes, exactly. That would be, if you're already impressed by a, you know, uh, uh, not impressed, but you know what I'm saying? If you're already impacted by a, a, a full rainbow and you see a triple rainbow, yeah, that's going to be something that's going to be almost mind blowing in that regard. 
And, and, and for some people, and then for the other person who maybe doesn't connect to much, as much to nature, they're more a homebody or an indoor person. Um, and they just, they find their connection elsewhere. It might be like, Oh, that was cool. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that before, but it really doesn't go much past that. Totally. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's often our programming and this, you know, there's, I can, I can dive into that, but typically like the, our culture is a very large programmer of how we perceive reality what we care about, what we don't care about, what we even perceive as right and wrong, yeah. um, and working through recognizing, well, I don't need to know all of my programming. I don't need to know the root of all of it. I don't need to know when it came and all. Like Having an idea of those things is very it helps gain clarity. Um, but understanding the process of, of how identity and personality is actually formed um, gives us great insight into okay, I, I thought I cared about this, but actually that was just uh, what, you know, my parents or my uh, specific town in eastern Texas versus 400 years ago in western China. You're going to have two totally different uh, cares about what you do with your life, what your, you know, your programming is based around what your beliefs are, what you, um, what your role is in society based off of what sex you're born as and all these different things. They're, they're very relative. And so if I understand my own programming, my own wiring, I can navigate what's serving me, what's not serving me, choose something new and walk forward saying, all right, I have a better grasp of of kind of why I am the way I am and, and what I want to work towards becoming. And that's why I say this, it's an exploration of self also, because a lot of it has to do with, well, who am I? Yeah. And, and honestly, most people don't have a really good grasp on the answer to that. And even if they think they do, when you really start to ask them some questions, there's, there's a, oh, okay, I, I think there's a little more exploration to do here. Totally, totally. I mean, I'm I'm still going through a lot of self-discovery myself, you know, through different courses and, and just different things that I'm trying. And I'm if, if this was a martial art, I would be like a yellow belt at best. You know, so I'm not, I, I'm not really that well versed in it. But, you know, and that, that's that's honestly that's part of why the, the, the podcast came around is, you know, just discovering there's one thing that we all have or not discovering, but but coming really you know to grips with the fact that there's one thing we all have in common every single person on the planet is going to die Mm. and you know and 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 on the surface people go well that's kind of grim but in the same sense that kind of keeps us all it, it, it it makes us all connected in some regard it's almost like we all have the same ending to our story you know it's just how we get there it's it's mm. uh you know and so there's that there's that connection yes it's a grim connection but it's still a connection i mean we all may die differently but ultimately we all are going to die and i think that right there was one of the things that kind of made me start discovering myself and going you know i've always been fascinated with the subject of death um whether it's you know i was terrified of it for the longest time i'm not anymore you know because i've come to grips with whatever happens is going to happen. There's no, there's no point in um, being afraid of it because it's going to happen. Uh, you could try and postpone it. And, you know, and I, I admittedly don't take that good a care of myself. So I, I need to fix that too. Um, but, uh, you know, and that's going to postpone it a little bit longer. And, you know, hopefully it's, it, it, it gives me a, a quality of life because I, you know, to be honest with you, one of the things years ago, I used to work at a hospital and, uh, uh, well, actually not that long ago, but maybe about four or five years ago, I was at the hospital and I was walking around. I did third shift and I used to deliver reports to the different departments. And I was walking by this area that had um, like mobility equipment. And it was predominantly for more like elderly, like walkers and things like that. And I saw this one product. I couldn't tell you what it was, but it had this old couple on there and they looked like they were healthy, you know white-haired foxes kind of thing, you know, where uh, they, they're silver foxes and these are white-haired foxes. They're the ones that are like in their 70s and they go hiking every day kind of thing. And uh, mm. they, uh, and, and and there was a statement on the box that said, live the golden years you want to live. And that really stuck with me because it's like, yeah, a lot mm. of people just, you know, continue their existence, but it's not a quality of life. And that right there 
scares me. And so it's like, I know I need to take better care of myself because I don't want to just be, you know, somebody who's on oxygen and, and, and sitting in a chair and just watching, you know, uh, uh, let's make a deal all day long kind of thing. That's not what I want, but unfortunately I know that's where I'm heading. And so the, the podcast, you know, the self-exploration, the, uh, trying to connect with humanity in general and trying to make something that's, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a believer that if I have purpose with my life, I'm going to have a better quality of life to the end, you know, because a lot of people, I think they hit retirement and they just kind of, you know, and, and, and retirement is such a, a vague statement anymore. You know, there's different terms of retirement. I mean, honestly, you could, you could quit your job and live in an RV at the age of 40 and yeah, you're kind of retired or semi-retired, you know? And then other people think, oh no, it's moving down to Florida, having your home paid for and having a million dollars in the bank. Yeah, that's, that's another version of retirement. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a case of where I think if I can help with, you know, people being able to deal with the grief process more, that is how I can contribute. That's what the whole spirit of the podcast is, is not necessarily the grief process, but dealing with the concept of, you know, what this mortal coil ends with. And because nobody knows the true answer. There are people who think they do, and I'm happy that they do. Um, There are people who are certain they have an answer, and I'm happy for them. But the only way you find out is when it happens to you. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I really like that, and I think that's a great um, purpose behind the podcast. And it, it, thank it you. allows for exploration. It allows for asking some deeper questions that we might not have thought about before. And um, what you were saying is, you know, there's the there's the saying that on your tombstone there's two numbers, but the thing, the most important part is the dash in between and how we spend that dash. That's yes, and, exactly. And it's yeah, saying it's sounds like that's exactly what you're saying and it's recognizing that our mortality is what makes in a lot of ways is what makes life so beautiful and so meaningful yeah because it does have an expiration date and you don't know when that expiration date is and that's the other thing is yeah you don't know when it's going to end you know you watch you watch a movie and you know what's an hour and 45 minutes long you know when you're getting to that hour and 30 minute mark you're going to start getting some answers you know, you're going to start getting some some things wrapping up. And then, of course, there's going to be the credits at the end. So you could pretty much guess there's about 10 minutes left of this movie. But in life, it could be over tomorrow. You know, for any one of us, it could be over, you know, whether it's it's it's, uh, you know, I mean, I've you hear stories of uh, I know a kid. We did a, a a film and his father died mowing the lawn. He He ran every day. He was in his 40s. You know, he was a jogger and all of a sudden just died in, in his front lawn. So you could sit there and say, well, you know, the better you take care of yourself, you know, but then you've got people like George Burns who smoke cigars all the way till their hundredth birthday. <laughs> so it's like there, I mean, yeah, we've got guidelines, but in reality, there is no specific handbook on what is going to determine how long you live and give you a specific date. I'm glad I don't know that because if I knew that, that would be, that would be a whole other complication, you know? Yeah. So that's almost a gift and a curse. Yeah, that would definitely change things. That's for sure. And yeah, and it's, it's what you're saying is with the conversations we typically have with people is, is more to the longevity factor of, you know, if there's a lot of uncontrollables, there's a lot of things totally. that we need, you know, as, as, as we can learn to surrender to and find peace within. Uh, and that's a very powerful way to live. There are, uh, you know, we can't steer the, sh- the as the canoe's heading down the, the river, you can't reroute the river when you're in the canoe, but you can steer a little bit. Oh, yeah. And that steering is through our choices, through Absolutely. our actions, activities. Um, and like you were saying, is is as much as we can, creating a um, style of life that brings joy, health, happiness, and those things. Um even if, you know, we're, we're operating with an incomplete manual, which we are as humans, like there is, there's a lot we do not know about ourselves and about the functioning of life, but can we do our best and, and work with what we've got? And there's, there's a lot of wisdom out there. There's there's a lot of really powerful guidance out there. 
totally, totally. I get, and 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 I'm not I'm not uh, uh, disregarding that. I mean, yes, there absolutely is. I mean, there's there is you know a lot of value in having just that inner peace because stress. A lot of people, you know, just like just like the medical industry for years, kind of you know dismissed mental health. Well, stress is part of mental health, and stress will do a number on the body. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's yeah. it's running your body at you know. Uh, uh, fifth gear constantly as opposed, you know, if you were a machine and, and it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I think really impacts a lot of people. And I honestly think in today's society where it's so, you know, on one hand, we've got all this technological advancements that makes life quote unquote easier, but it's almost getting to the point where it's that whole do more with less kind of thing where it's like, well, now one person can run the whole assembly line and one per you know, cause it's being done by robots. Yeah. But now think of the responsibility being done on that person, you know, being put on that person. And so, and that's of course a, you know, a broad idea of the, the technological stress that happens to people, but you know, it's the, it's the fact that it's not just technology. It's, it's our lifestyle. You know, you've got, You've got the, um, you know, the schedules and and there's no longer very often do you have one parent staying at home to be able to handle the stuff with the kids and the school and all that. It's it's my wife and I, we both work full time jobs, you know, and that is the norm now. And so there's a whole new level of, of a different kind of stress. You know, back 200 years ago, the stress was, is the crops going to come in? Are we going to eat this winter? Well, now it's a different kind of stress. And, and it's just it's a. Uh, I, I I don't know which which stress is better, you know, because stress is stress, but there almost is a simplicity to the old lifestyle that you know I I kind of long for, and I think that's what you get with uh, you know when you go and talk to the indigenous elders and and the monks and and you sit there and meditate, it's almost like it's 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 resetting you. Absolutely, absolutely, and it also it allows for us to handle sort of say the storm of life yeah. uh, and have a different relationship with it than we did before. Whereas something might've been far more stressful and far more um, off putting as, as time goes on and we implement the wisdom of, of these monks and elders and it, it can, it can help us shift. Even if it's a slow shift, it can help us shift to being far more centered to being far more taking our baseline from stress to peace. Uh, and and to start to even in in some ways enjoy the turbulence that is the nature of, of reality <laughs> in life. Nice. Um, and and it, yeah, just it creates a different relationship to the process. It doesn't necessarily change necessarily change the process itself, though. Yeah. And that's what that's where finding that deep peace really comes in is because there are a lot of practices and coaches and you know within the the developmental world um, that are hell bent on on control and and changing things, which is all well and good, and it, and it has its place, and there are very powerful practices within that. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of them are, are are leaving us stuck in resistance to the way things are. And yeah. When yeah. I say that, I mean a natural natural way things are, not necessarily a created human economic way things are. Um, but like, yeah, there, the, the nature of reality is duality and that means ups and downs. That yeah. means winter and summer. And it, there's a lot that we can learn from it if we, if we stop resisting it so much. That's, and, and that's makes a lot of sense is being able to, you know, to use it, to use a simplistic, uh, um, uh, pop culture reference, go with the flow, you know, being able to literally go with the flow of, handling the winters and the summers, you know, handling the good and the bad and, and being able to, you know, deal with that job that stressed you out six months ago. I mean, I, I have issues with my job that stresses the crap out of me and, you know, and I, and I'm, I've talking with other people and getting different techniques. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I've learned a little bit on how to handle it, but it's frustrations that are beyond my control. It's frustrations of, communication with other people. It's not the job itself per se. The job itself is actually pretty fun. It's the the big challenge I have is understanding what is required of me in that job. And so I stress about it. And you know, and I know others can see it and we joke about it, but it's like I really wish I didn't have to. I really wish I didn't do that. You know, it's not that I have to, but you know, I really wish my body didn't go to that as the norm. 
I wish I was able to just go, okay, here it goes. This is what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to react to it. And this is going to be, you know, how my day is going to be, but I'm okay with that. And I'm going to just go with the flow. And I think it sounds like what you teach is being able to do that. Yes, more or less. Definitely. It's, it's reprogramming the programming because, yeah. you know, uh, what often, you know, as I use the word programming, I guess a little bit more on that is from the moment that we're born, those that care for us begin to program us oh, yeah. with their way of life. And it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just the way it is. And, you know, often some of the first things come in are language and that language is based off of the culture and that culture has all sorts of different facets that are connected to it. Um, and then also there's another aspect, which is, you know, there's, there's the education, the economics, the politics, the religions, the, you know, there's so many different aspects that we learn over time. Um, but there's also the realization that ma the majority of what the information that we're intaking, especially from our caretakers, it's actually an opinion. It's not necessarily a universal truth. It's their interpretation of reality okay. based off of the paradigm that they live in. And so in recognizing all of this, it programs us. And then we have our own interpretation of their interpretation that really doesn't start to actually create like an analysis. Our brains don't fully develop and function until at least, you know, 10 to 15 years into the process, more likely 25 years into the process, <laughs> we have all these neurological wirings that we didn't have a conscious say in, quite frankly, that we are now operating through. And so when our, when our body initially goes to a certain type of stress response triggered by, you know, whatever the stimulus is, that is typically based around our programming that was subconscious that we did that happened in our childhood for one reason or another that we're not really aware of. Yeah. And so it is shining the light of awareness on some of these things and being able to say, okay, I was triggered here. Why? Well, I don't know why. Okay. Well, let's do a little bit of exploration. Let's dive into it. Let's get comfortable in the discomfort so that we can uproot it and find a different way of being in that situation, because the the reality is, is not everyone is going to react the same in that situation. Whereas one person gets stressed, someone else might thrive. Yeah, and that's just based off of their programming. And so it's like we can reprogram, and that's the beautiful part, uh, especially about neuroscience. That you know, all the studies that have been coming out for the last few decades is we have a malleable brain. We can unwire, rewire, and, and, and shift and change our literal bio biology in a lot of ways. In other ways, you know, it's a little bit more set, but yeah. we have flexibility. And that's, and it just, it does take some time, right? If it took me two, three, four decades <laughs> of programming one way, and I want to change it overnight, that might not be the way it happens. But we have the ability to to shift um, how we how we act and react, which essentially creates a part of who we are, creates a part of our identity. So we actually we have the ability to shift and change who we are, um, even if it takes days, weeks, months, years. It's possible, and that's where the empowering aspect of exploration really comes in. Yeah, that's that's actually. You, you you touched on something there, the, the fact that it's a malleable – I mean, look at a muscle. Your brain is a muscle, uh, uh, essentially, and if you have an arm that's atrophied and you exercise it, it becomes now something that can, you know, bench press 200 pounds or whatever kind of thing. And it's – it's uh, uh, you know, and I'm talking atrophied from inactivity, not from inability. Um, and so, you know, if you've got that uh, – with that capability, it makes total sense that you can reprogram the brain and you can reprogram the wiring, so to speak, where you are handling things differently, where the, 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 you're, you're changing the route of where the input goes and where it comes out. That's actually pretty wild. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a fairly, I mean, I, I think that certain spiritual traditions have had, at least knew the, the idea or the practice around it wouldn't, wouldn't have talked about it in these same ways of being able to change and shift and develop and grow and evolve. 
Um, but yeah, that's the fun part about science is it's, it's catching up in certain ways. And we even know now that the heart has neurons and in fact, almost about 40,000 of them. So our heart's wired to react a certain way and to pick up certain stimulus and, and to send signals to the brain and receive signals from the brain in a specific way. So that's why we also take a holistic approach is look, you know, while, while we do separate our, our mind and our body sometimes, there's also a very interconnected aspect of these things. And if we can learn to uh, look at the whole and recognize that, you know, one thing affects the other, my knee doesn't work without my hip, then we can start to approach it from different angles and truly get a, a powerful shift going. Um, potentially, you know, it won't, it's not going to take us 40 years, potentially. Yeah. We can cut down the time the more information we understand. That's yeah, and it's getting it's getting to know what the actual problem is, and that's you know, and and one of the things that you talked about about the programming at an early age that really, you know, I'm 47 years old, and it I had a I had a a holy shit moment right now is, which of course you know the proper term is an epiphany, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, uh, 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 my dad okay, so my dad died when I was young, my dad died when I was 11, and. I knew from an early age, he, he start he had a very stressful job. He was a, he was one of these guys who was brilliant. Okay. Um, he, uh, uh, he used to be a rocket scientist, literally. Um, he worked on the Apollo missions and, and was very integral to the whole shielding development of the, uh, Apollo 11 and things like that, where, you know, the reentry type shielding. And he, uh, he went from that to then going to the nuclear physics uh, and was working with you know wow. nuclear power plants and things like that. So he literally was a rocket scientist and then a nuclear physicist. So um, very, very, very left-brained, um, but he yeah. was also under a lot of stress. And so he started having heart attacks. And by the time he died, he had, I want to say, around a dozen heart attacks and triple bypass and brain surgery and all kinds of stuff going on. But it was almost as if, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Um, But uh, come to find out though, my, my, one of my older brothers told me that uh, I was the youngest of seven. Uh, One of my older brothers told me that towards the end, he knew that he was kind of, uh, uh, and I never knew this until just a few years ago. He knew he was going to be leaving soon. You know, he knew things were coming to an end for him because his health was just so bad that he was allowing doctors to do some experimental procedures on him in terms of, uh, you know, care. Um, so I, that's, I thought that was pretty cool when I found that out. But anyway, the reason why I bring all that up is he, uh, he would have a heart attack, which seemed like every six months and it almost became routine. It almost came to where it was like, Oh, dad's having another heart attack. Okay. Well, the ambulances are coming and they're going to put him on the gurney and they're going to walk him out. And I'm going to see all the neighbors gawking, which used to tick me off because it's like, you know, did you get a good look, take a picture, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm a kid, I'm nine years old, you know, but it was almost like, uh, it felt like an intrusion, but, uh, uh, it just occurred to me that, you know, he stressed about different stuff, of course, stuff that's way more, way more stressful than what I'm dealing with. You know, I mean, it was, it's not even the same league. I'm, I'm in a, I'm on a little league compared compared to his, you know, professional level of stress. And uh, <laughs> um, so, but it almost as if it's like I got programmed to almost expect that, you know, expect that it's going to be stressful and you're, you know, it, it, you're going to have a heart attack or you're going to have um, uh, health issues because of your job related to your job. And so it's just like, yeah, I never really thought about that, but I was, and it wasn't anything here. My mom did on purpose. Of course not. You know, he didn't plan on having all those heart attacks. He didn't plan on doing, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 that, but it, it, it probably left a lasting impact in that regard of how to handle stressful situations. And as a child, I didn't understand his stress again was way worse than mine, but it's almost kind of like, uh, okay, something stresses me out. Here's how I react. And I don't even know if this yeah. is how he reacted. I don't know if he, you know, vented or anything like that, or if he just bottled it up inside. I just knew that, you know, every once in a while there would be a, you know, it'd be like the, the proverbial tea kettle boiling and there would be a moment. And then quite often there was a heart attack that followed, you know? So, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to uh, just thank you for sharing that. Cause that sounds like 
that was pretty tough to go through. Yeah. Um, well, th- and thank you. No problem. I mean, that's, that's, well, and, and, you know, having experienced death, you know, all my grandparents were gone by the time I was, I think, 14. And, you know, I didn't really know them very well anyway. And, and uh, you know, my dad and and I've mentioned several times before that what kind of got me going on this podcast was having I had uh, two very close friends and, and a sibling die all within a period of four months of time. And wow. it got me thinking, you know, that kind of got me you know, into the whole, you know, well, well, death is one of those things that we all experience. Why not, why not talk and laugh about it in the sense that, you know, not laugh at it, but laugh about it the same way you laugh, you know, I'm the kind of person who laughs at a funeral where, um, you know, it's like, we tell stories, we still, we tell fun stories about the person. And it's almost like, that's what death, I think, you know, to personify death, we can laugh about death, you know, in the sense that this is one of those things that's, it's, it's going to happen. And so why not have fun with it as opposed to fear it? Yeah. And I like that. I like that approach. And, and what's interesting is within, you know, more modern Western society, uh, there is, uh, when we talk about cultural programming, a part of the culture is there, there is this fear of death in a lot of us. And it's seen as this very morbid thing, this very, uh, finite, a super intense, terrible thing, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and once again, that's just a, that's just a perspective. Exactly. You know, there are plenty of cultures around the world that have been around for quite some time that it's just the next stage. It's just the next stepping off point. It's actually a, a better next step. It's just a recycling of energy and consciousness. Like there's a lot of different perspectives on what this process is and what this process means which fundamentally shifts how we interact with that. And so, which then fundamentally shifts how we live our lives. Totally. And so it's amazing how even just this one focus, as you've mentioned, um, it impacts our entire life and how we live based off of what we, our relationship to how it ends. And it's fascinating. It really is fascinating to, to recognize like, wow, a lot of what I do is based around this one thing that's going to happen at some point based off of my programming that most likely comes from my culture. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that being said, then you said that, uh, that a lot of, a lot of different cultures have a different belief of, of death. So then that brings us to the big question is having been around a vast majority of different concepts of death and different, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, acceptance of death maybe, um, and, and, and perception of death. What, what do you think happens then when we die? It's such a, it's such a big question. Um, it takes a little bit of explanation. Um, so I think the, the most impacted, uh, impactful perspective on death that I came across was when I was living with yogis, um, and they're you know they they, they had a very wide ranging uh, acceptance of a lot of different religions, traditions. But what they you know their perspective essentially was that this life is one of many. And what that means is it not necessarily one of many human life, but just one of many experiences that the essence of self, that the soul or, or the consciousness experiences. And so it's essentially, this is where we are at this point experiencing being human during this time period is but a, a grain of sand on the on the myriad of experiences on the beach or the all the deserts and beaches of life that um, consciousness or life itself experiences throughout the expanse of the universe and the time and all those different things, let alone talking about different dimensions like the heavens uh, and so forth and so on. So it's, they have this really beautiful perspective that they, they would even... Um, you know, for the yogis that experience deeper states, they would talk about the um, the ability to die before you die. 
the ability to truly get into such a deep meditative state that your that your lungs stop breathing and you leave your body, you consciously leave your body, and it's called samadhi. And as you do this, you you have these expanded experiences where your consciousness is no longer confined by the human form, because in the human form we have a barrier, mm-hmm. right? We have a limit, right? But within these states, I'm no longer tethered. And therefore, I can experience expansion. I can experience all sorts of different spiritual experiences, expansive experiences. Um, and within that, it, it, they, you know, they, they start to quote a lot of different scriptures of, hey, this actually exists a lot of places, like St. Paul said, I die daily. And really, if you dive deep into the depths of what all these saints and saints are talking about, they're talking about, the ability to transcend the human experience while still in it. And it gives them a totally different uh, understanding of life. And and one of them that I, you know, I've been um, fortunate and blessed to experience myself is experiencing a state or a place or a realm, or I don't even know what to call it, um, that exists beyond time, that exists beyond there is no beginning. There is no end. It's, it's, it's true infinity that there's a true depth of the eternity of existence itself, even though the different forms and energies that takes are, um, do, do our birth and, and they do die. But there is this aspect to us that I've experienced that lies beyond that, or at least that we have access to. Yeah. Um, that is really the birth of spirituality itself. It's, you know, certain wonderful beings go so deep into the depths of reality and come back and say, there's something else going on here. Um, and, and we, we can access it in some way, shape or form. And obviously it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. So there's, you know, there's a lot less of us that have experienced that than there are that haven't experienced it. But uh, that's a really long answer to, to me. Um, my answer is that I believe that there is a part of us that is eternal mm-hmm. and that is, is simply going to shift form and it's going to take on, maybe it's just pure energy. Maybe it does go to a heavenly realm. Maybe it is rebirthed into another physical body. Um, you know, and I think honestly, the answer is all of the above, depending on whatever the experience our next experience is. So I believe that death, in this lifetime is simply the, the, maybe the turning of the page, maybe it's the end of the chapter, maybe it's the end of that book, and, and now we're writing a new book. Nice. But it's I not, like that. There's, okay. there's not necessarily an end. It's just on to the next experience of existence. Like a library, then, to use the book analogy. Yeah, and, okay. and we get to experience a myriad of stories in different forms and times and places themselves. That's awesome. That's and I do I do I do believe I mean if if I if I thought it all ended when we you know when we died I wouldn't be doing this podcast I believe that something else happens and I believe that yeah time is a human construct it's it's a way for us to grasp our head around um, our own existence uh, the best analogy that I had uh, uh, seen on a video one time they they were able to. Uh, give an analogy of what a a two-dimensional being would think of a three-dimensional being. So in other words, you know, this was more of a discussion about fifth and sixth dimensional beings that, you know, essentially are able to shift back and forth through time. Well, so imagine a two-dimensional being would be like a piece of paper and a three-dimensional being would come through that slight, you know, that piece of paper, one slice, the width of that paper at a time. And so they would only see you know, that, that, uh, and of course, if you're on a two dimensional plane, you don't even really see anything except lines. But, um, but when you, when that, that, that three dimensional being comes through that two dimensional surface, every, you know, contour and, 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 and curve of like, say, imagine your arm going through, it's going to get wider and thinner and wider and all that. And the two dimensional being is going to be like, well, what is that? Well, a three dimensional, you know, or a, a sorry, a, a fourth dimension would be time. A fifth dimensional being would be able to go through time that way. And it almost sounds like maybe the yogis are able to tap into that plane of existence, that that uh, one where time does not exist, where they are, while they're in that uh, uh, samadhi 
uh, a state of being, they're able to be a fifth dimensional being or a sixth dimensional being, being able to go back and forth through time, through their maybe their own lives, maybe other people's lives, maybe other experiences, and, and basically pull every book off the shelf in the library and just start experiencing and then be able to say, okay, I'm going to go back to the book I'm working on right now. But uh, yeah, that's 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 just wild. I, I've never heard of that, of that uh, term, that samadhi. I didn't know that that even existed, that people are able to slow their breathing and their their heartbeat and everything down to the point where they're able to essentially die brain death essentially and go and you know that would explain why people are able to you know uh, be clinically dead i talked to a guy who was clinically dead you know in terms of uh, uh western medicine stance uh for an hour and what he yeah. described to me was 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 pretty interesting um but it almost sounds like they are able to go to where it's more of a a peaceful type of uh, environment. He he described it as, you know, a lot of people were very anxious and angry and it sounded like it was where people were, you know, didn't expect that they were going to die and they had unfinished business to do. Um, and he was bound and determined that he was coming back. And sure enough, he did. Um, but mm. if, you know, if these yogis are going to that plane of existence intentionally, they know that they're supposed to be there. And it's, um, yeah, it sounds like they're able to take, take these, these cosmic field trips to kind of, you know, go go experience different things that are beyond us. So, yeah, and I want to clarify: samadhi has a has a wider. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, meaning as well, and it's it's it, so it's the in yoga. There's eight limbs in the philosophy, and the final one is samadhi. And essentially, yoga itself means yoga union. And the whole idea is for that the individual consciousness merge with the universal self, the universe, the, the all, the isness. Uh, and samadhi is essentially the transcending of the individual form into that merger. And so okay. within that, experiencing and transcending all the limitations of the individual form, including life and death, including time. Okay. Um, so it has this very, very profound um uh, depth to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's it very much like, and now we're getting into kind of enlightenment. Yeah. Say, yeah. The, the full merger, the full understanding. And so it's the yogis, the Zen Buddhists, there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of different traditions, whether they use spirituality or they use plant medicines or whatever it is, have, have stumbled into, so to say, um, a deeper way of being that recognizing that there is being, there is self beyond physical form, um, even though it's in such beautiful synergy with physical form at the same time. Um, so yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating the different experiences that people have with near death experiences. And, um, you know, based off of what I've come across is that, there, there's almost an infinite amount of experiences, and that's why that's what makes the journey of self so profound. Uh, and when I say self, I mean just the, the universal self. To essentially, you know, whatever is within existence itself is something to be experienced, because whatever it is that is experiencing it is that it, you know it, it creates this infinite amount of potential, potential and potentialities um, that on some level is being experienced and who's to say that those are all separate and will never come together. I'm much more of a belief that the, the being within is, re is recycled and transmuted as opposed to just completely dies off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, and that, that's what I, where not in those words, but in a, you know, and, and not in that understanding. Cause I mean, I know you're, you're, you're summarizing thousands of years of traditions into, you know, 15 minute conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and, and so, yeah, I, but, but it would be, uh, 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 it'd be one of those things where, um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is I believe that there is something more beyond this plane of existence as well. And knowing that there are people who are experiencing that gets me excited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> It is, it's very exciting. And it's, you know, it's also, it takes, uh, for most, a, a fair amount of, of practice and oh, discipline of and, and surrender and so on and so forth. But there, there's definitely, 
I think returning back to how we were talking about our perspective of death affects how we live our life. Definitely. You know, it's very beautiful life that's birthed out of this that, you know, even if you look at monks or something like that, like they're, the presence and connection that they have cultivated with every single moment is truly profound. And to live our lives not necessarily using an external locus of measurement like the West typically does with, okay, well, my value is equated within what career I have, how much money I make, what my relationships are like, so on and so forth. Those are all very, uh, those are all parts of the experience, but their, their perspective is much more, am I connected in this moment? Am I here present in life? And the deeper presence I bring to everything I do the more I find the the joy and even the bliss in every experience. And, you know, that's obviously some experiences are very, very difficult to find that in. Um, but nonetheless, there is, there is a connection that can be maintained even in suffering. Um, so it, it really, it transforms because what they're doing is they're prepping themselves for this final departure the a conscious leaving of the body and transmuting and expanding into the, you know, the expanse of the universe. Um, so it, once again, it creates this synergy of life and death that is just an extension of my story that I'm continuing on. Nice. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess, uh, that, that right there is, um, that that's a pretty good place to stop. I mean, that that's, that's where, you know, the, the, the podcast is, is all about that subject. And, and uh, yeah, I, I just love knowing that this is, that this is even a thing, you know, that's yeah. But uh, I really don't have any words anymore. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, um, do you have any like, um, links or you know websites or anything that that you have that you could share with the people that are listening so they can you know and myself so that we can learn more about uh uh any of you know your program or any uh pieces of advice for people to be able to just research this you know keywords that they can google or uh um you know anything that they can learn more for themselves absolutely so on our side of things, um, my website is consciously.org, and that is just our general um, for-profit stuff. And within that, we actually uh, I have a meditation group that meets every morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time over Zoom, uh, and we do nice. we do dive into some of these uh, concepts. You know, within our meditation program itself, but separate from that, we do a contemplating death practice around really sitting with, you know, what are, what are my fears around this? What is, and can I fully experience that so that I can discharge them and really change my relationship to death? And that's a Buddhist practice that's, that's been around for quite some time. Um, so I'd love to, you know, anyone who's interested in that, it's free to try out, come on in, we meditate together for a half hour and then you're, you're starting your day in a really powerful way. Um, and then as for exploring the literature on, you know, certain things, uh, I guess, within this realm. Uh, the Autobiography of a Yogi is a really powerful book, and they and it's, it's fantastic for expanding what might be possible within our purview of these things. Um, and, and I would, you know, I would say just even the different spiritual traditions, learning, you know, a little bit about them, whether it's Taoism, Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, the yogis, Hinduism, Christianity, they all have their own perspectives on it. And, oh, totally, yeah. Uh, you know, finding their their finding what might work for you is always is always fun to explore. Uh, and then within you know within the conversation around um, being able to change our brains in a really powerful way, there's uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza has been doing some great work, uh, and he's got a few books, but uh, his most recent is called Becoming Supernatural. I highly recommend that book as well, especially in conjunction with the Autobiography of the Yogi. Um, it, it starts to form a, a what if. What if this way of life actually, you know, 
I'm going to suspend disbelief for a moment and say, what if, what if this actually is possible? And living from what if is, is one of the more exciting ways to live, I would imagine. Uh, and it's something that I, I try to do on a daily basis is what, what if I, I have an infinite potential? Yeah. Would I want to find out? And so the books like that, and then, you know, of course, uh, if you want to talk and have a longer conversation with me as well, there's, you know, the website can, can get you there. So that, you know, those are the immediate things that come up for me. And of course there's been, there's been so many that I could think, think deeper on and come up with stacks of books or, or oh, literature. I'm, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the library again, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's great. Uh, what because what I'm going to do is I'll put those all in the show notes so that uh, anybody listening who wants to um, get more information they can you know they can check out your website and uh, you know any videos that you might have or anything like that. Uh, and and I'll get with you after after we're done here to uh, uh, get all that information from you. So, but uh, Harry, I I appreciate you uh, you know coming on and giving me this perspective and and giving me that oh shit moment that I just had um, and. Uh, I wrote that down. It's something I'm going to reflect on because, you know, when it comes to the programming, uh, I think, it, it, again, it's it's something that's that's unconscious to us that we don't we're we're not aware of. And and something you said, a lot of people like to, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people say that we're not really very conscious until we're, you know, six, seven years old or whatever, which I agree with. But you brought up an interesting point is the fact that we're still not fully the brain is still not fully developed really until like mid twenties. And that I would agree with. Cause look at how, how, you know, looking at myself, looking at my 22 year old self from now, I almost had a different personality even, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, I think there's a, you know, I, I have to agree with that. There's a lot of truth to just that on that simplistic nature of that statement. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, again, I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having me on, and I think, uh, you know, podcasts like this are important because they offer that. perspective, and, and you know, even if it's just uh, like the word I've used so many times today, it, if it increases the desire for exploration, totally. um, I think that that's, that's of infinite value in someone's life because it can become a rabbit hole that leads us to some really wonderful experiences, so... Thank you for having me on it and for just hosting this podcast in general. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. So, well, you take care, Harry. And, uh, yeah, let's definitely keep in touch. And um, I appreciate it again. So, you have yourself a good day. Sounds good. You as well. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that was my talk with Harry Sherwood. I definitely recommend checking out his website, consciously.org, just like it sounds great name for a website i gotta say and you go there and there's a lot of different resources all the different programs everything that he's got to offer uh he and his partner of course that they've developed this and it's very cool looking uh i recommend checking it out so in the meantime i'm gonna say you know think about that think about the fact that we're going to die one day and what you can do to make your life a little more fulfilling maybe check out consciously.org you know in the meantime have yourself a good day have yourself a good life 